there's um, there's a fine balance between how much to give over to something, to give over to what we might call the request of practice. But the balance between that and what we might call a realistic assessment of where we're at at the, a particular time and what we're capable of. Yeah. Mm. There's really no easy answer to it in my thinking. Um, and in a way that's a good thing, right? If it was an easy answer, we just have the answer and then we would, our inquiry would just go away. But it's a constant discovery, you know. Am I pushing too hard? Am I backing off too much? You know, just finding that point of balance. Finding that edge. So I have a couple of public service announcements before I delve into Anapanasati. one is I, I I noticed yesterday evening, and maybe it was you know the first evening, and many of us were tired, but um, you know after the sitting, and then a thirty-minute walk, and then a th- before the next sit. So I thought what we do this evening was after the sitting, we'll take like a ten-minute walking meditation, and then sit. So we'll finish the whole the the formal evening earlier. You know, so. I hope that you'll have a that will make it more available. There's something nice about finishing together and chanting the refuges together. Um, that's one. The second one is um, I put out a number of slots for interviews just to see how many people wanted an interview, and then they all filled up. So. Just if you want an interview, just write your name on the sheet, and then I'll make some more slots. And then the third one is Judith. We'll also offer some interviews. Uh, Judith is a, a teacher at the Zen Center who has of late taken to doing Vipassana practice, where she comes incognito <laughs> and, and just is a humble student. <laughs> So, I don't know if I've done her a disservice by trying to uh, out her like this. Um, so she'll be available too, and we'll put a sheet up, and you can write your name on it. Um, I think that's it. So I rambled on quite a bit yesterday about my version of the human condition, you know, that we bring our, both our distress and our coping mechanisms, our habituated ways of being, to practice. And then, you know, in very broad terms, practice offers us a way to start to see that rather than just act it out unknowingly or unnoticed, that we start to see it. 
and um, we start to see it while we're doing it. And while we're doing it, creates its own clamor. You know, we're still having those memories and anticipations and responses, reactions to what's in front of us. And we're starting to notice it. And when we're in this um, mix, you know? and, and, and then sometimes the clamor is louder and sometimes the clamor is quieter. And then sometimes, amazingly, it stops. Um, in in a, a relatively short retreat like this, you know, just five days, um, Usually the first couple of days, and it's, it's a terrible thing to say usually, because then if you're not usual, well then you're unusual. But <laughs> usually, unless you've just come off another retreat, it takes, takes us a couple of days to sort of find out where we are and what's going on. You know? and, and mostly a kind of gentle persistence. Okay, just keep coming back, keep coming back. Keep keep noticing the moment. Um, and and then as we start to uh, settle, then the capacity to notice and engage and experience starts to come about. Yeah. And in Anapanasati, this is th this is reflected in how it's laid out, you know. Notice the long breath. Notice the short breath. Notice the mind that's moving into memory. Notice the mind that's moving into planning or anticipation. Notice the um, agitated state. Notice the calm state. Yeah. Notice when thinking is being grasped. Notice when it's allowed to just flow through. Yeah. And this process of noticing, uh, right in itself, um, is, is starting to um, draw us into the moment. Right in itself, it, it's starting to um, loosen the tenacity of, of the process of conditioned self. It's starting to loosen it and it's starting to um, help it dissipate. Huh? And, and, and so, so in our sitting, and connecting with the breath. Or even more modestly, noticing the breath. Noticing uh, where does it, where is it experienced in the body? You know, as, as you've probably noticed from the yoga, I've been 
you know, emphasizing this diaphragmatic breath, you know, loosening the abdomen, letting it. As as we go on, I'll I'll in illustrate and elucidate this more, but it has an effect on our being. positive effect. So, um, and as we get to the next two sections of Anapanasati, where they're talking about um, connecting fully and calming, you know, then this is where this breath can have uh, potency, this diaphragmatic breath. So in the first couple of days, as we're settling, um, this patient attitude of, okay, however your mind is, however your attention is, you know, try to sustain your effort um, with diligence. and patience with what that produces. Especially for those of you who haven't done many retreats, you know, this, this is what you learn doing repeated retreats. It's like, okay, you just keep doing it diligently, and you're still a bit of a wreck, you know. <laughs> you know, you're still bouncing around. You know, mentally and emotionally, to go. Okay, just come back to the breath. Um, but in a way, that diligence and patience I- is a great teaching, you know, because in some ways, it it never is inapplicable. It's it's never not helpful. Well, there are there are times when it. But a lot of times it is very helpful. Um, so this is how we're tutoring ourselves as we're settling in. Diligence and patience. Yeah. And then hopefully the structure of the retreat yeah, um, hel- helps that too. Yeah. Is you know is as best you can. W- whatever is being offered, you know, whether it's sitting or walking, try to stay with it. You know? um, because while there is still this clamor of the karma of the self, it, it will want to move us and pull us in different directions. You know. That quiet diligence. Okay, what are we supposed to be doing now? Walking? Okay, I'll walk. Sitting? Okay, I'll sit. And then you start to notice that maybe there was a kind of a reluctance to go do that, but then as you start to get into it, um, that reluctance sort of shifts. Right, this is what I came here to do. 
I came here to do this. I came here to walk and sit and walk and sit. Um, and, and, and part of the part of the great support of Hatha Yoga is that um, it's like put your whole body and your breath into this. Now put your whole body and your breath into this. You know? it, 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 it's <coughs> the request of it is, is more evident and in some ways full. You know? And um, and then uh, even with with Hatha Yoga, you know, it's like. As we engage it, we discover, oh, put your whole body and breath into this, but also bring awareness, you know, also bring attention, you know, also notice the experience. And then as you engage it more fully, experience the experience. Okay, where do you notice the stretch? Okay, now, open up to that. Okay, now breathe into it. You know, like I was saying today, you know? Okay, now just lie on your back, absorb what that stretch did, breathe into it. So so the next section is uh, in Anapanasati. It's, let me just see how uh, Buddha Dasa says, experiencing the whole body of breath, breathe out. Thus, he trains himself or herself. Of course, back in those days, it was just himself. (laughs) But that's another story. So it occurs to me that sometimes in the Hatha Yoga, if you remember I was saying, you know, back off, ease, and then with the exhale, you know, let something stretch. Well, it's something loosen and lengthen. So first of all, the breath is the agent of noticing. It's it's reminding us, it's tutoring us on directed attention, on noticing. Disrupting the the clamor of the activities of our conditioned self. And not that we're now noticing everything, but we're noticing enough that we have some agency. Okay, now that you're noticing, now that you're noticing how this asana affects the body, now that you're noticing where the stretch is, 
you know, engage. Back off a little bit and notice ease. Let the breath ally with the ease. And as you engage the stretch again, let the breath facilitate the stretch. Yeah. So I, ho I hope you could get a taste of that in the Hatha Yoga. And you'll have more opportunities too. And and this is this is not an exotic you know magic trick. We're doing this all the time, you know. Instinctively, you know, we use the breath. The breath acts sometimes. We sigh. <sighs> you know, we release something that's being held, and we release it. The breath is an agent of release. Yeah. You know, last night I was talking about even the breath even reflects when there's like a heart-opening emotion. You know, when something happens where we feel a deep gratitude or inspiration. The breath softens, the body opens. Yeah. And and this body, you know, you know, the the term in Pali is rupakaya. Rupa meaning physical, physicality. It, it means a little bit more than that, but that's matching the full extent of it doesn't match so well with Western thought, but this part does, physicality. And then kaya is a very interesting word because it means realm of being, you know. Um, Like you could say, each of us has our own realm of being of the self. You know, the way we think, the way we feel, the way we interact. You know, the, we sort of put together this sort of gestalt called the world according to me. You know, it's a realm of being. Um, the body is a realm of being. When we're thinking about it, you know, we think about the arms, the legs, the head, and all that. And then when we engage it, it's not so much a collection of concepts. It starts to become a, a collection of physical sensations, a collection of physical being. And this is one of the gifts of Hatha Yoga, you know. You, you, you start to stretch, you start to strain, and even though you're working on your hips, your jaw tightens, you know. 
I have a friend who's a renowned master Japanese carpenter. And when he's cutting a very fine joint, he puts his tongue out. You know? He doesn't need to put his tongue out to cut a joint. <laughs> but it's, it's like his whole body's connected, you know. It's like this, this is expressing the connectedness of his being. And and so in Hatha Yoga, sometimes noticing this kind of secondary effort, you know, you're stretching your hamstrings and you're tightening your jaw. And then you notice, oh, my jaw is tight. And you release your jaw. And it helps you release your hamstrings. So, so, in this teaching of whole body breath, um, this way we're wired, this way we come together in rupakaya, in physical being, becomes an ally with the breath. No. In, in this way we can say, breathe down into your hips. Well, you know, literally that doesn't make any sense. Your breath does not go to your hips. Your breath goes into your lungs. <laughs> but in this realm of connectedness, you, 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 you breathe down and, and it feels, you can feel it in the hips. You know, you can, you know, you, 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 there can be a, an intense sensation in some part of your body and you can feel like you're breathing into it. And it can have a positive effect. Yeah. <coughs> so this part of the sutta is saying, okay, you notice the breath, you start to connect to the breath, and then the breath is, is takes on this more intimate character of connected being. Yeah. And even though literally, anatomically, the whole body doesn't breathe. But in this realm of interconnectedness, the whole body breathes. And, and, and so this says, he, she trains herself in this way. So I say to you, okay, back off a little bit, and then with the exhale, releasing with the exhale, let the exhale be an ally. Train in the breath, in the exhale, inviting release. Yeah. The breath can also be used in inviting energy. Yeah. And, and as, as we connect this way, 
in in a way we're shifting from the the noticing the directing energy the directing attention to a more receptive attention yeah. we feel the body And, and I suspect everybody in this room has noticed the difference between thinking the body and feeling the body. You know? and, and, and part of our practice is, you know, oh, my shoulder hurts. Okay, what does this, my shoulder hurts, feel like? You know? When we hold it in the realm of thought, we um, we're, we're inclined to associate it with um, what psychological significance does my shoulder hurt have for me? Is this something I should escape from? Is this something I should fix? Is this a dangerous event? You know, as as we move into experiencing, into feeling. We're literally moving beyond thought. And, and, and those associated psychological significances are not so energized. Mm-hmm. If we move completely beyond thought, they're not energized at all. But even in the interim, in the, when, when that's still, you know, there's still part of awareness consciousness saying, my shoulder hurts, but there's also moving to the sensation, experiencing the sensation. And the sutta says, trains herself like this. And this is a delicate phrase for us. Am I trying to suppress the conditioned existence? Am I trying to transcend it? Am I trying to obliterate it? And in awareness practice, in mindfulness practice, none of those. It's... um, We're directing attention in a way that facilitates fuller involvement. And and so the whole trajectory of Anapanasati is we direct attention, we direct attention, we create a basis. And then we open up and then we take in the full complexity of human experience. But the implicit methodology of Anapanasati says this basis is what creates the capacity to open up to everything and still be grounded, present, and aware. 
And then as we open up to everything, everything teaches the Dharma. Everything teaches the nature of what is. Everything teaches the difference between getting stuck in it and exacerbating the difficulty and relating to it in a way that releases and allows presence and liberation. So this uh, whole body, you know, how, how wonderfully terse the Anapanasati is, you know, breathes the whole body, breathes this whole sensorium of sensations and feelings. A way to explore this, which we'll do right now, if you can switch your minds in this way. Imagine, Im- imagine you don't know what it's like to have a body. You don't know literally what it feels like. And as best you can, just be receptive to what, what the feelings of having a physical existence are. And now, breathe it. Breathe that field of, that sense sphere of sensation. Just breathe into it, breathe out of it. give you a taste. Yeah. You don't have to say whether it did or it didn't. <laughs> um, that as the breath through attention, through connection, starts to be more pumpable. It also um, has this potency. And and one way to engage this is in, in your sitting, you breathe and 
you breathe everything, you know. You just breathe, if thoughts arise, don't make a distinction between the thoughts and the inhale, just breathe everything, you know. And with the exhale, breathe everything. It's it's all the kaya, it's all the present, it's all what's happening in this present moment. So so when it says breathe, the rupakaya, um, what I didn't say earlier was that th- this rupakaya is, is not only the physical as it rises at the sense doors, sign, smell, taste, touch, etc. Even the mind is rupa. The thoughts are just like the sound, like the smell, like the physical touch. You just breathe them all. And as a practice, it can be helpful because it helps us to get over, well, you know, my thoughts are interrupting my pure practice of following my breath, you know. So they have to be, you know, suppressed, obliterated, whatever has to happen to them. But when we just breathe them, um, they're part of whole body. Because if you do that little exercise that I said, don't know your body and just open up to feeling it, part of what you discover is there's no definite boundary to it. So, this this too, with whole body breathing. As as we breathe into the stretch, you know, it's not just the tendons and ligaments (coughs) and muscles that loosen, the mind loosens too. So we breathe mind with the inhale. We breathe mind with the exhale. And and we explore this. We train in it. We engage it. And we discover, oh, well, when the mental clamor is louder, this this way of experiencing existence is obscured. When the mental clamor is lower and there's more connecting, there's more experiencing, it's more palpable. And, And we learn 
kind of inhale, the kind of exhale that connects to that connected, that intimate being of breath. I hope that makes some sense to you. And even if it doesn't, I would say, explore in your own sitting. Explore as you allow inhale. As you allow exhale. Allow whatever is happening to happen. Allow whatever is happening to be released with the exhale. This is the rhythm of life. Buddha Dasa says in his commentary, he says, this is complete training in sila, samadhi, and panya. Quite a claim, huh? Right there in connecting to the breath. Complete training in sila, samadhi, and panya. Maybe. But it, it's also marvelously available. You know, our mind doesn't actually have to be that settled. You know, our, our, our attentiveness doesn't have to be that firmly established. In each breath, you get another opportunity. Okay, kind of missed that one. Okay, what's coming next? <laughs> Looky here, it's another inhale. <laughs> you, you, you know, and it's and if you can literally be that methodical, you know. Okay, inhale, pause, exhale, pause, inhale. And can that deliberateness have something almost leisurely about it? You give each part of the breath the time it needs. You're not forcing something to happen. You're you're opening to it. And and then the next um, the, the the next piece says. And then, this becomes an agent of calming. Calming the bodily formation, breathing out. Thus, she trains herself. 
Um, as we start to make this more interconnected, intimately connected involvement in our being, the, uh, you know, yesterday I was talking about this embodied, this psychosomatic Vedana, you know, that has made its impressions on us. And given the human condition, many of them, those embodied impressions were painful. And um, our body is holding the residual tension the 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 residual reverberation of unpleasant experience of suffering and just as we can breathe in to the hip and let it soften we can breathe in to our humanness Maybe we want to call it our embodied Vedana, deep-seated emotions. We, um, we sense them more thoroughly. Now, when we sense them with agitated mind or distressed mind, um, the clamor increases, you know? But when, when we sense them with um, a mind that has more attention, um, the direct experiencing facilitates a calming. It, it's, it's almost like we have a physiological compassion for our own being. And as that very process is aroused, it's calming. Who doesn't want to have a physiological compassion for their own being. Who doesn't want to hold their own vulnerability, tenderness, and quivering gently and tenderly? Yeah. It says in some of the suttas that um, when we start to experience this, um, we're deeply moved by the suffering of the human condition. It's like, oh, this is what we all go through. We tighten, we struggle, we resist, we resent. We become embittered, frightened, discouraged. Mm -hmm. When we can hold it with this 
Um, kind of intimate embrace. Um, or upwelling of compassion. And in the physiology of the being, a calming. Knowing this whole body breath and letting it be an agent in intimate being. Letting it explore the tendrils of tension in our physiology. And of course, we can get greedy and try to have it happen more thoroughly. Um, But it requires its own uh, delicate touch. Just the same way using the breath to extend the stretch. It's a delicate touch. If you try to force it, try to make it more than it is at that particular moment, you lose connection. Something goes astray. Um, Similarly with the breath. And maybe what I just said is like, would it, you know, <coughs> Buddha Dasa would also teach uh, that, you know, right here already, just in the first four statements of 16, al- already you're, um, you're, you're coming to absorption, you're coming to jhana. Um, maybe. But but even when we just have our momentary taste of connection and we open to it, um, we can feel it. And even if we tighten back up, go back into our thoughts and lose that intimate connection to being, hmm, Still, our body has learned something. Is the connection strong? Maybe not. But we can just keep patiently practicing. You keep coming back, um, rediscovering. Sometimes the touching and the opening and make more evident the grasping and the closing. No? Um, and that's our teaching. Oh. And then I grasp and close. Yeah. And and then we can see that more clearly. Mm. Yeah. 
because our practice includes them both. You know? Our practice includes opening and closing. It includes releasing and grasping. It's, it's, it's like in the initial phases we learned that patient diligence. And it still applies, you know, as, as we watch, as we're starting to discover the potency of body breath. Still applies, patient diligence. Okay. Yeah. We have that moment of opening. So many of us go through, we have a period of, ze- of meditation and we have that intimate opening and then we're kind of like, can't wait to get back to our cushion and do it again. And, and that very zeal to have, I want that special experience, I want more of it. With beautiful irony is the very thing, the grasping is the very thing that agitates and pushes it away. But we, it's all a teaching, you know. You'll do what you'll do, and can it be a teaching? Oh, look at this. Look at what's happening in the body now. Look what's happening in the mind. You know, this... um, holding uh, like a big picture of your own process. So Anapanasati has its own kind of methodology or technique, but it's, it's um, it's not narrow. It, it, it's really helping us in inviting us to create a broad base to our practice. Yeah. <coughs> when someone's having a panic attack, one way to work with it is to help them breathe. With someone's caught up in their anger. Just breathe. When someone's feeling vulnerable and despairing, just breathe. When we're having a difficult emotion that we feel we just can't handle, can you just take a breath, steady yourself? This in its own way is this. And she trains herself to calm the body with the breath. 
just another variation on a theme. Yeah. So ho- however the human condition manifests, you know, we can practice with it, with the breath. This is the spirit uh, of Anapanasati, you know. And, and these first four, you know, the noticing, the starting to engage, and, and this marvelous way, the whole body is connected. <coughs> the breath is, flows into all of our body through this connection. We breathe the whole body. You know, we can explore letting the breath breathe the body. What's that like? What kind of intimate involvement is it? And then, what is it to let something become soft, something open, something release? Yeah. He trains himself, calming the body with the breath. Okay, enough of that. Um, So we'll take a um, 10-minute walking meditation slash bathroom break, and then we'll, we will sit another 30 minutes, and you'll have a terrific opportunity to put all this into practice. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs>